afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. An interesting marketing day as we start out the second full week of trading in 2022. And we talk about some weather in the forecast. They're keeping some of that rain for our neighbors to the south. And warm weather not as hot as what we saw in the last week's hike. It's just really kind of been an interesting ho-hum type of day, except for the way the soybeans traded, because we have a USDA report that comes out on Wednesday. And then let's just add to a Monday and the Supreme Court coming out, giving their thoughts on expanded E15 to year-round. We're going to talk that and a whole lot more today as Sam Hudson joins us. He is Corn Belt Marketing. And let's start off talking about this weather in South America, because that definitely is the water cooler talk wherever you go. Yeah, it is. We've been talking about this for quite some time, obviously kind of a climactic ending here at some point. Now, whether that ending is going to be next week with some rainfall or, uh, you know, when, when harvest finally takes place and we tally up all the losses is, is yet to be seen. But going into the weekend, uh, a lot of fear, a lot of concern about who wanted to be short the market with uh, some record type of, of heat forecast for central and eastern Argentina. And obviously, uh, things are going to remain very dry here this week. Uh, some of these rainfall uh, forecasts, though, that were in there Friday, the market was kind of looking at, uh, have been pulled forward. They're still there, and I think that uh, you know paved the way for a bit of profit-taking, uh, especially with the crop report here coming up on Wednesday and final crop production numbers. So we'll see how things look coming out of that. Uh, but I think at some point here that the weather market's going to take the reins as soon as we you know get an update from USDA. So let's look at the um, you, you talk about that hype, and I think some ways we almost put the the cart before the horse when it comes to this crop down in South America. Many folks say you know it could be some decent numbers. Saw some video from over the weekend of soybeans being harvested. It seemed like they were pretty pleased with the numbers. Everything's going to be in kind of that wait and yeah. see mode, isn't it? It really is, and I liken it. Uh, you know, to what we saw in the U.S. this past year where the Northwest Corn Belt was very dry. We put up some really ugly numbers, but at the end of the day, a lot of those numbers were still better than zero. And I think that's what the market's trying to determine is are we going to see a lot of poor yields or completely devastating yields where they, you know, aren't even harvestable. And I think that's the difference between, uh, you know, having these markets really add a big another big leg up as we get into spring and our growing season or do they kind of uh, distribute here as we get into spring and, and then we realize that we're going to be able to bridge the gap and you hit the nail on the head is you know do you get the cart in front of the horse we've seen soy uh, inspections in general slow down the last few weeks you want to blame the holidays blame whatever you want but you know a dollar plus rise in the market uh, you know in less than a month will, will have that effect on things too and so domestically Demand's going to be well intact. Uh, I think we've got you know, solid margins here for ethanol and soybean crushing, but it's that export market that uh, offers the biggest question, and that's what we're going to be trying to determine here. Well, speaking about putting the cart before the horse, uh, winter wheat, and just wheat in general, we know is one of those crops that seems to revive itself, but there's a lot of concerns that we might not see that revival coming out of Kansas as the dryness con- continues and that aftermath to the December 15th storms and fires. Yeah, and, and, and there's nothing uh, real bright to look at on there, is there? I think uh, the, the market's going to be very interested to see what initial national ratings look like as we kind of come out of dormancy, but those state-by-state ratings are, are pretty abysmal after last week. And I, I think this still boils down to the fact that uh, when you look at our stocks to usage in wheat, and this could speak into the action that we've been seeing leading up to this report, we still have stocks to usage almost 30% domestically, uh, and that's definitely enough. I think what we're trying to determine is the rest of the world is going to have to come after those supplies because we're really the last point of it. Uh, and if we continue to see some of that being regulated out of the Black Sea region, Russia in general, uh, then that definitely could have an impact. And we could see those stocks drop yet again uh, from 40% last year. So uh, long road to go here, but uh, you know, it's going to be a lot more pol- political related here with the wheat, I think, for the short term. And our crop size isn't really going to matter unless uh, there's a big need for the exports to come to our doorstep anyhow. 
All right, it's a big elephant in the room, and that's this USDA report on Wednesday. What are some of your early initial thoughts? You know, neutral is what I'm looking for. <laughs> I, I just think we had so much yield data. You know, there weren't a lot of places that had late harvest, so, you know, trying to you know guess what they're going to adjust on yield. I can't expect any major changes. I guess I would lean, you know, have a bias towards steady lower corn yields, steady higher bean yields, but I don't think either of those changes can be large enough to really change the overall landscape with this weather in South America. So, once we get that update, uh, once again, I, I would expect strong domestic numbers, if not even some increases there, uh, maybe some slight honing on our export side of things, given that we've been able to keep pace this far, uh, and then we really start to adjust things over the next uh, two months. And one thing to keep an eye on would be, uh, you know, how, how we see winter wheat plantings changing. You know, you mentioned how, how difficult or how bad some of those conditions are. That leaves the door open to potentially switch crops here this year, and I think that's a, a talking point as we uh, see what weather looks like in the U.S. All right. We haven't heard a lot of, of chitter-chatter, per se, on that crop uh, switching. What are you hearing? What's what's the feel out in the country? Well, we've seen a lot of people, you know, take interest in, in some of these markets like sorghum. You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, corn and beans and how we're going to switch acres and how did the inputs come into play there. Uh, you know, some of these you know, crops that you can grow with less fertilizer, less water, uh, still some solid yield potential. And with prices where they're at, I think there's going to be plenty of interest there. I don't think we're going to see... Anybody, you know, just rush to one or the other. I think it's going to be kind of spread out, and that, you know, goes for your cotton and everything into the mid south too. So, uh, I, I definitely look for, uh, you know, those Milo acres to grow. But once again, if you have really poor quality wheat, you know, and you're not sure about your yield or what you're going to have for insurance, uh, when you see crop prices in corn and beans the way they are now, it may be a good second, uh, you know, second choice. And there's a lot of excitement because that global demand on that crop is just absolutely uh, blowing some people out of the water. When we saw old crop completely out before the month of November hit us this last year, it shows the potential that's there, and because it's a drought-resistant crop on top of it. That's right, and I think that you know, story in general kind of speaks to the small grains on the whole. You know, when you, you, want, to, you want to talk about Minneapolis wheat or even the oat market, you know, we saw these small grains up in the Canadian prairies lose a lot of production, and unlike some of these other crops like, like a wheat, uh, you, know, you can't just grow that all over the world in different hemispheres you know, every two or three months. So it's definitely something that's going to be on the market's mind uh, going well into next year and something that's going to keep that acreage battle well alive. All right, well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue here with the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We're going to be taking a look at what's been happening with the Supreme Court discussion this morning when it came to E15. We'll look at biofuels in general. And the flip side is what's been happening on this livestock side and how the, the dip in the grains may have affected them as well today. More is coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation with Sam Hudson with Corn Belt Marketing. And we left off kind of talking about this report that's due out uh, from the USDA. And we we're talking about the winter wheat crop as well. Having said that, can we expect, even though you're saying it could be a pretty neutral report, just curious, is there going to be that initial knee-jerk reaction at, at 11 o'clock in, in so many seconds? Well, they certainly can. I mean, you have to always have the factor where the algorithms are going to trade the market and kind of read the black and white of it, and sometimes it depends on which numbers are released first. So I uh, wouldn't write that off altogether, and I think the biggest risk would just be, uh, you know, if the USDA has not really signaled any export demand increases yet because of that South American weather, uh, it just kind of reminds the market of, that we're not going to run out of it anytime soon anyway. So uh, in that sense, you could see a, a bit of pressure uh, in the same breath if uh, you know, some of the stuff is programmed to to buy if we don't see anything negative. I think you can definitely see a rally coming out of these numbers. So there's really something for both parties in it. 
Uh, but either way, I think the numbers themselves probably won't dictate or shape the market uh, as we go into our acreage. I think it's going to be more about that weather uh, long-term and big picture. Earlier today, the U.S. Supreme Court left um, in place the limits on higher ethanol fuel blend, along with a f- couple other agricultural-related things, including not knowing if they're going to talk about Prop 12 and the Clean Water Act cases. But looking at the E15, there was a lot of folks banking that we could go back to having that year-round E15. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, a lot of this, in my opinion, some of it's for show. Um, You know, it seems like every time we get good news, we have to get some bad news with that uh, and vice versa. So either way, I think for the short term, as we go into this summer, there's going to be plenty of demand uh, for ethanol. And the way this whole fuel market has recovered and the way prices are going up, I see nothing changing in that. But I think by the time you get to the next fall, if nothing's changed on that legislative and political side, then I think that's where you run into a bit of a problem if we start restocking all of these supplies and have not figured out what that usage looks like. And this really speaks to the biofuel sector in general. Um, bean oil has been a lot of hype and, and talk about how we're going to expand our crushing capacity and what that could mean, especially if we continue to expand those biofuels. But we have to see how the government wants to apply all of that. Uh, we, we know the RFS has been, you know, one of these deals has just been difficult to have a lot of optimism on them enforcing it seems like there's always a lot of back doors there. And, and, you know, as this all unfolds, undoubtedly, you know, call me jaded, but it's hard to see some of that not happening. So to think that all this is just going to you know, hit the market over the next three or four years, I think is a bit far-fetched. But nonetheless, I think it does support the cause in general. And there's a lot of folks, as you and I have talked before, banking on and all this taking place, whether it's um, biofuels of, of the soybean nature or the ethanol. Yeah, and that's uh, both good and bad. I mean, if you have enough on the bandwagon uh, anymore, it seems like, uh, you know, once you get that populace on board, it's hard to stop the momentum. But there again, uh, big oil is always going to have something to say about it. And, uh, you know, from a lobbying standpoint, I think we always have to keep that in mind. Switch gears, looking at the livestock side, Sam, was there some pressure on our livestock today? Well, and we've continued to see uh, your feeder cattle trade somewhat volatilely, but when you look at both of them as a, on a whole feeder cattle, live cattle, they both just set back into some of their major, major moving averages. From a demand standpoint, uh, demand's still been very good. Export demand's still been very good, but we've got the numbers to meet that. And, you know, not knowing what things look like, uh, you know, after March 1st from an economic standpoint, it just seems like we've we've got enough to, to meet it all the way around. And that boasts a range-bound market between 135 and 145. Uh, I think there'd be a bit of uh, technical concern on that June contract uh, on the live cattle. If you can't hold that 134 to 135 level, uh, then we may have a little bit more downside yet to go. But uh, once again, as we get into spring uh, and summer, from a COVID standpoint, I think we're going to be well on our way to recovery and kind of putting that stuff behind us. And hopefully that helps stimulate that demand. But with the with the struggles we've seen lately when it comes to slaughter numbers, I mean, I know there's been a lot of worries about sickness and, and health issues. But having said that, can we make up for those lost slaughter numbers we've seen over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, the question is how long does it take and how much more do you need to see of it? I think we're still seeing some of that in the, just the slaughter in general on the hog side of things, uh, labor in general. And that doesn't look like it's going to stop right away. I think you're hearing about a lot of this in the uh, shipping industry in general. Um, from top to bottom. So until we can really put all of this behind us, hopefully that's after the bulk of this cold flu season when we're getting the bulk of these positive cases, uh, that may or may not mean anything. And uh, if that's the case, then I think you're going to you know, continue to build optimism as we go into spring, and that should build optimism on slaughter capacity in general. But what we need to see is what uh, people are willing to pay at the storefront as well, because that's a factor on top of it. And you know, when you look at people's budgets here for the grocery store, it hasn't gotten a lot better here the last couple of months. That it has not. Having said that, we're sitting at a Monday. Are we going to wait till Thursday, Friday for cash to develop this week? 
That's what I'm thinking, especially with the crop report here on Wednesday. I didn't have a real, uh, you know, heavy, you know, real enthusiastic week last week to, to give the market a lot of sentiment either way. So I think we're going to coil up here in the, some of these livestock markets and uh, see where we go after that. And it'll be interesting to see where we're trading here uh, in just another couple of weeks as we round out the month. All right. Lots of things to look at. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? 800-655-3380 Well, thanks so much. Sam Hudson's been joining us today again with Corn Belt Marketing. As always, you can find these podcasts and past previous ones if you want to listen by going to ruralradionetwork.com or picking up the podcast wherever you subscribe because it is a free one. As always, remind folks that commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss and they're not suitable to all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. It's brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all the local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.